the end of Brother Ron's lesson this morning, he said something that really excited me. He said, we have a preacher with us today. I have looked. I can't find him. So I was really excited. I thought, I don't have to. Now then, I never claimed to be a preacher. Let me, let me get, I'm a retired Air Force, and then I'm a retired school teacher. I'm not a preacher. And by the time I am through this lesson, you'll say, you know, I'll agree with him on that. Uh, but anyway, my thought has always been this. It's always the message not the messenger. So uh, so be with me as let's look at God's Word just a little bit and concentrate on a message. You know, some 2,000 years ago in the town of Antioch, there's an occurrence happened that remains with us today. And Acts 11.26 records this and said, And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now here we are some over 2,000 years later meeting in White Oak, Tennessee at the congregation here. And what are we? We're Christians. We have already established a connection to those in Antioch and that that was a term that they were referred to as. And now here we are today with the same term. We're meeting here as Christians. And there are numerous benefits that goes with being a Christian even in this walk of life. Although sometimes I think we overlook them and we don't really appreciate them the way that we should. I know I don't. And I, I, I hope to get better that, but there's things about being a Christian at this location, at this time in our life, and where we are, that I think sometimes we overlook. You know, I think about this. How about associating with those of like precious faith? You know, Second Peter 1, 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith. So we come together here and we have a common bond already. We are number one, we're Christians. Number two, we have, we have that like precious faith. So we have an established, and I don't think sometimes we really appreciate that as deeply as perhaps we should. You know, there are other things. Um, generally, these are the best people we can be around. Now, now true, there, there are some exceptions. But generally, when you're associated with Christmas, uh, with Christians, you are associated with good people, with honest people with people you can trust, with people you can rely on. That's a blessing we have when we join this Christian family. Also, um, how about the pleasure and happiness of just brotherly love, just people we like, just people. I I, I know they're here. We we, uh, we attend at North Hamilton, but there are people here at White Oak that we truly like. You know, what's the bond? We're Christians. We're associated in in, in our background. with, with the church and with assembling together. That's a blessing we have that sometimes we might not really appreciate that as deeply as we should. Uh, how about someone to call on when needed? You always feel comfortable. I always feel comfortable calling on a brother or sister if I need something where I might not feel as comfortable calling on someone outside the body of Christ. But this gives me a, I have that commonality where I feel comfortable if I need something that I can call on a brother, and I know I'm going to get a good response. Um, someone uh, that can call on me when they need help. Again, just the reverse. They know as a Christian, as a brother uh, in Christ, I'm someone they can call on if they need help. That's a blessing we have under that banner, Christian. And do we really appreciate that? Do I appreciate the way I should? I really don't know. You know, there are other things uh, we are living with a certainty as a faithful Christian of an eternal life. And we're going to address that in just a few minutes. But what a blessing that is that we can sit here today and as faithful Christians and as doing what God wants us to do, we look forward to something far better than anything we could experience here. 
You know, there are other things. We are allowed to worship our God, the creator of all, just as he has decreed. We have instructions. We know how to do it. Christians know because we have been, as Jude says, once and for all delivered for the saints. We know what God wants. And we have the ability of Christians to go to God's word and find out, God, what do you want us to do? And to do what he says. That's a blessing sometime I wonder do we truly, truly appreciate that? First uh, John four twenty three and 24. Now, this is Jesus talking to the woman at the well. We're, we're familiar with the story, the Samaritan woman. And she talks about, you know, our fathers have told us to worship here on the mountain. Jesus responds, but the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Christians, we have the ability to do that. The Samaritan woman, this was new to her because her fathers had told her, worship here on the mountain. But Jesus said, the time is now and it's coming when we have the ability to worship God the Father in spirit and truth. Do we appreciate that? As Christians, we're blessed with this ability. But sometimes I wonder... Do I appreciate with the depth that I should what God has provided through the Spirit, the written Word, that I can read that and have hope, the certainty of spending an eternity with Him? Do I really appreciate it? Listen listen to Joshua. This is nothing new. Joshua, centuries ago, urging the Israelites, but take careful heed to do the commandment and the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commands you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold, to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now this is Joshua way back in the, in the, as the Israelites were, were moving to the promised land. Now think about, but this is something we could just take out verbatim, place over in the New Testament, and it still applies. Serve God, hold fast to him, serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. That's what our God wants. And we can have the ability to understand that and to do exactly what God wants us to do. You know, something else that uh, I think we have the ability to do that we may not appreciate as full as we should, Christian can ask for Paul's help. Paul tells the church at Philippi, and uh, uh, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, Philippians 4, 6. I can talk to the creator of this universe. I can talk to the creator that created mankind and everything around us. I have the ability as a Christian to carry on a conversation with someone so powerful that we cannot even imagine the power that he has. But as a Christian, I can go to my father and talk to him. What a blessing. But do I, in my daily life, do I appreciate that the way I should? All right, so now then... um, this is just a partial list. Think of all the other ways that we can be blessed. We, 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 we talk about the sick, and, and, and as Christians, we have a true and heartfelt concern for their well-being. We can go to God in prayer on their behalf. We can visit. We can do all kinds of things as a Christian for a brother or sister that, that, uh, that not only assists them, but also assists us in knowing that we are doing what God wants us to do. That's something that we can do. And, and the list goes on and on. This is by no means. This is just a partial list. Now then, as we look at things in this life, they pale in comparison 
to what lies ahead. And that's basically what I want us to concentrate on today. What lies ahead to the Christian who does the thing that God wants him to do, who follows God's instructions, what do we have to look forward to? I want us to go back really to the to the book of Genesis and, and Adam and Eve. Now, can you even imagine in your mind, first of all, I have a question. You know, um, Ron was talking about science this morning. I want to know how long Adam and Eve lived in the Garden of Eden. Who knows? Was it 20 years? 10,000 years? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I know they lived there. And I'll have to assume that they did not eat of the forbidden fruit the first day they were there. But now, can you imagine in the evening, God comes walking through the garden? Can you imagine that there was an association between Adam and Eve and God, that in the evening they could walk with God and uh, talk with God in person? Can you, can you even, I, I can't even imagine how that much felt. Unfortunately, we know that they also spoke with the other side, with Satan, who led them astray, caused them to be cast out of the garden. All right, so... From that point on, up till even today, we are waiting for that time when we can return to, quote, the Garden of Eden, to where God is, to where life is, to where the, uh, uh, the tree of everlasting life, all that that they had, it's time to go back home. And that's something that we can look forward to. Genesis 3, 8, 9, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves... From the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord called out Adam and said, where are you? Now then, of course, God knew where they were. God already knew. But imagine the, hearing the voice of God calling, where are you? All right. uh, what a life that must I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine what a life that would be like living, walking with God Daily, as apparently they were doing in the cool of the evening, walking with God through the garden. What a life that must have been. We go to look at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11, what's called the Faith Hall of Fame. And we think about the people. Abel, still speaking to us. Well, Now, Abel was killed, remember? And he's still speaking to us. How? Through God's Word. We know that, that he'd please God. And that his blood on the ground went up to God, and God knows that. And Abel is still speaking to us. Abel pleased God. We talk about uh, uh, oh, uh, Enoch. Enoch didn't die. He was taken up by God because he walked with God. He was a friend of God. Abel, Abraham, Abraham obeyed God. Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, Moses, and others. These were not perfect people. We know that Abraham at times gave misleading information about who this Sarah was. Is my sister or my wife? We we know he did that. We know that uh, that that uh, uh, Jacob kind of pulled one on his father about receiving the blessing. We know that uh, that uh, Moses Moses disobeyed God at the at the scene of the rock. You know where God told him to do one thing, he did the opposite. And you say, well, what happened to that? He did not get to enter the promised land. He paid for he, There was a consequence for his action. And you say, well, poor Moses, he sinned. Where do we see him the next time? On the Mount of Transfiguration, talking to Jesus. Why? 
because he was a man after God's own heart. He did, he was not perfect, but he did what God wanted him to do. All right, that's things. Now then, we think about, okay, so what's our reward? Well, if we, if we read Hebrews 11, if we read the rest of the Bible, there's no doubt in our mind that these people are now in that cloud of witnesses looking down upon us. Hebrews 12, 1. That they're there, that they they have ascended. They're in the paradise. They're in that land. They're, they're in that land where they will be blessed forever and ever. And they look down upon us. So we say, well, what will not be in heaven? You know, and God will wipe. Away, I mean, what will be there? I'm sorry. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. They're gone. Can you imagine no pain, no sorrow, no grief, no uh, uh, no crying, no death? It's gone. It's history. There's an eternity awaiting for us. That's something, do we really comprehend it? Can, can we even, is it even possible to comprehend? Have you ever thought about eternity? Can your mind even visualize eternity? I can define it. I can tell you what it is. But can our mind associate with anything that never ever 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 ends and i think our mind my mind runs out out there after a period of time i don't think i don't think it reaches the end because there is no end do we appreciate that what will be there what how about faithful loved ones that have gone on before uh in the old testament there there there's a term when some of the patriarchs died there was a term there gathered to their family all right where, where, where was their family? They had died. What was the term used? Gathered to their family. Do you realize we're going to be gathered one day to those who have preceded us, those faithful Christians who have, and we're going to be gathered with them in heaven that, that there's going to, and we're going to be with them forever? What a blessing that would be under that term, uh, Christianity. Now then, uh, who is going to be there? My God. Jesus is going to be there. Recall Stephen. I think about Stephen sometimes. If Stephen is being stoned, and he knows that death is just moments away, he looks into heaven, and who does he see? He sees Jesus. Where is, where is Jesus? Standing at the right hand of God. What a blessing that must have been even for Stephen as he's facing death, and he says, Jesus, receive my spirit, because he knows he's about to depart. But there's Jesus. I've even heard I've even heard it mentioned before. Notice that Jesus wasn't that Jesus was standing. You know what a what what a blessing that had to be for Stephen. Wouldn't it be nice for all of us? Can we appreciate the fact that on our deathbed we can look up and know that there's a God up there that's ready to receive us? Do we appreciate that? Um, let let's 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 um, let's talk about other things. I want to go to heaven because there is a hell. It amazes me when they do surveys how many people in the United States believe in heaven but not hell. If there's no hell, then Jesus was wrong because Jesus describes it, but I will show you, Luke 12, 5, but I will show you whom you should fear. Fear whom after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to fear him. Jesus believed it in hell. Jesus said there is one. Luke describes a horrible scene, and this is in Luke thirteen twenty-eight. There will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac 
and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves are thrust out. Think about the rich man and Lazarus. Think about how the rich man, how their lives have been Lazarus, full of sores, laying at the gate, just wanting, just wanting the crumbs from the table, dogs licking his sword. The rich man living a life of luxury looks across that gulf that it can't be crossed, seeing Lazarus over there in Abraham's bosom at peace, at rest. Think about how he must have felt. Think about how it must feel when people and 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 again this 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 is the Lord talking. You see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and yourselves are thrust out. So we know who's going to be there: uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, prophets of the kingdom of God, Christians that precede us, God, Jesus. Those are going to be present there, and so that's certainly a life we look forward to. Finally. Jesus foretells what is to come. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Matthew thirteen forty one and 42. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. That's a horrible place. I want to avoid that. So now then the question is, as we think about it, there's some issues. Think of this song. You know, we sing a song sometimes, and I love this song. How beautiful heaven must be. We read of a place that's called heaven. It's made for the pure and the free. These truths in God's words he has spoken. How beautiful heaven must be. You know, Paul even, and certainly he was talking about himself, ascended to the third heaven and saw things that, that he couldn't even couldn't even verbalize, couldn't even talk. It was not lawful to even describe what a scene he must have saw. Now then, when we hear the words of this song, and when I hear the words of that song, I get enthused about going to heaven. I leave here with the thought, how beautiful heaven must be. That's where I want to go. That is my priority. Now here is where we've got to be cautious. On my way home, my car starts making a funny noise. Now, here's my priority. I'm, I want to go to heaven. My car starts making a funny noise. i got to do something about that. I bet it's going to cost me a fortune. I get home, and I get a call from Aunt Mary that Uncle Harry is sick and in the hospital. Don't know if he's going to make it. You know? And then things keep piling up. I understand there may be a layoff at work. Where does my priority now what are my priorities? Where am I concentrating? What are the most important things to me at this life? You know? And certainly, are these important? Oh, absolutely. Do we need to address them? Absolutely. Are they, are they, uh, are, are they things that I need to take? Absolutely. What's my priority? My priority is going to heaven. Several years ago, I will attribute this to Wendell Winkler, and uh, uh, the late Wendell Winkler. And he was called upon one time to, to give a talk, and he was asked, could you give four reasons that you want to go to heaven? So he prepared his sermon, prepared his lesson, prepared his talk, and he had his four reasons. And he gave his reason number one. And he said, but actually, it's because that's where God is. 
He gave number two. He gave his reason. Now, here's the second reason I want to go to heaven. He had his reason all laid out and presented that. And he said, plus fact, that's where God is. At the end of all four reasons, the conclusion was, that's where God is. Who would not want to go where God is? Who would not want to make that their priority in life? There was also, now I cannot attribute this, but, but, uh, now, now think, think about this. Matthew 6, 34. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. That's from the New King James Version. The gentleman made the statement like this. I don't view Christianity as a lifelong struggle. It's today. You know, when I get up today, my open things was, I want to go to heaven. And he said, that's today. At the end of the day, I want to look back, have I done what I need to do to go to heaven? Tomorrow is today. He says, every day I wake up and I say, I want to go to heaven. And that's my start of every day. So I don't worry about now 10 years from now, today, today I want to go to heaven. At the end of the day, have I done what I need to do to go to heaven? Where was his priorities? Going to heaven. Why? Because it's beautiful. Beautiful beyond compare. We cannot even imagine the glory there. Uh, I, th- I think uh, uh, the cares of the world sometimes. Matthew thirteen twenty two. This is Jesus talking about the sowing the seed. Recall this, now he who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world. And the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Let's never let the cares of the world. Cares will be there. We have them. We all have them. And we'll continue to have them. But never let the cares of the world dim our determination and dim our priority of going to heaven. That's what Christians do. That's who we are. That's why we're Christians. That's why we meet here this morning. Who would be here this morning if there wasn't a heaven? You know, there's a heaven. It awaits us. Now then, does that remain our priority? Can I wake up every morning and say, today, I want to go to heaven? Can I go to bed that night looking back on my day and say, I've done what I need to do today to go to heaven. Now, tomorrow, I will do the same thing. You know, tomorrow is always today when it gets here. So every day, my priority is, let me go to heaven. Don't ever let the cares and concerns of this world, and they are here. They are numerous, and we deal with them. But my priority is always, I want to go to heaven. All right? Whatever I face here is temporary. It's going away. Eternity isn't. Heaven isn't. Neither is hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with God. If that's our choice, you know, um, I I, I think sometimes a poor... You know, a, a man in the New Testament I really feel sorry for is Demas. You know, at one time, Demas and Paul is working, and, and, and Demas is a valued associate of Paul. And in, in Second Timothy uh, 4, verse 10, Paul's writing his situation. He's, as he's writing to the, his beloved son, Timothy. He said, you know, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. As Christians, let's never let that happen. Let's never let the love of this world overcome what God's world holds for us in that future. That's why we're here. That's why we're Christians. That's why we join with those people back in Antioch who were first called Christians there in Antioch. 
Well, we're 2,000 years later, over 2,000 years later, we're still Christians. We're with you. We want to see you there, all right? We can do that so long as we do not let this world become our priority versus the priority being going to see my God in heaven. Now then, you you know, the the beauty about it is God makes it very simple. Uh, He gives a plan of salvation, which I'm sure most of us here have... have, uh, complied with he he says you know to 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 hear and and to confess his name as the son of god to repent of our sins and to be immersed in water for the uh to contact the blood of jesus to wash away our sins that's the easy part now once we're christians he says in 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 first john he says if you confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive you all right so he, he has not made it difficult the difficulty sometimes lies on our part when we lose our priority of what's important as Christians. Just don't ever do that. If we have, you know, today is a wonderful way to correct that. If it's between you and the Lord, just, just, let's just make it between me and the Lord today. Every day, Lord, my priority is going to be to come to heaven with you. If it's anything that has publicly offended the church, then maybe a public response is needed. If we've never obeyed the gospel, that's the first step. We can take care of all that today as we stand and sing the invitation song.